This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. All right. So, Ron, now that we've talked about your band and music, let's talk about your books. Unfortunately, because we had a literal 48-hour window, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a quick reader, but in order for me to read 500 pages in one day, that would not do justice to your book. That's that's not fair to you or me. You as a could reader. do it. Come on. I, I've done it. I've done it. Um, but I, I I didn't like it. I, I don't like reading like that. I like to be able to chew on a book and especially because, oh, my God. Okay. So I'm going to gush a little bit here. Um, the only story I was able to read was Mr. Cable's. So okay. your pacing. These are my notes here. Again, on yellow legal pad. <laughs> Your pacing is flawless. Like, oh my God. I, I, I was just, I was blown away by your story telling, having never read any of your stuff before, not having any introduction to you at all. And this being the first time where I'm literally tasting your words. Holy crap. <laughs> Holy crap. Uh, so speaking of which, you say, this is one of my, you, you, there's a couple of things that are, uh, that just stuck out in my head. Right. And uh, speaking of taste, so on page 34, I could taste my heartbeat at the back of my throat. My words to that are fucking brilliant. <laughs> and um norman rockwell after the apocalypse on page 59 i was just like <laughs> again damn jimmy that's some gourmet <laughs> shit i wrote that that's pretty good <laughs> so thank you for that most amazing and i i did start uh black mouth a little bit last night i was okay. able to check that out from the library so i did start black mouth last night so and, and again just Wow. So let's talk about you and like, where do these stories come from? Because you have a, a, you've got quite a library of books and they're, mm -hmm. they're, they're all very different. They're not just horror. You have thriller, yeah. right? You have mystery. Like, yeah. They all have a touch of like, they're, they're very ambiguous books. They don't know what they want to be necessarily. So they walk <laughs> this tightrope and I hope they don't fall off. That's, that's kind of what I let them do um so you've yeah. been reading since you were a kid i have i i mean um you know i i was always kind of artistic so drawing playing music uh writing you know if i if i started doing something i kind of did it 100 percent when it came to the, those sort of things um i bought a typewriter when i was like 11 years old at a garage sale and i i think uh think I, I was always a voracious reader i love to read um but at the time i bought it i was in, i was reading my first stephen king book which was it actually wasn't even a horror book it was the, the eyes of the dragon and um so i bought this typewriter 
went home and basically plagiarized <laughs> his novel in like short story form, just kind of, you know, just enjoying writing a story. And and I, I wound up doing that, those little typing up these little stories for years uh, throughout elementary school, um, you know, into middle school, high school. I mean, they became bigger and bigger stories, you know, as I got older. But I mean, I still have like two steamer trunks full of them. Um, I used to draw these covers for them and staple them together and bug my family and my friends to read them. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was doing it for a while. And by the time I was in, by the time I graduated college, I had, uh, I don't know, like six or so full length novel manuscripts written. So I took the first one or the, you know, the, the one I thought was the best, uh, tried to put off getting a real job for as long as possible. So I shopped it around and I had a small press, uh, pick it up and publish it the, the following year, which, um, which I thought was awesome until I realized really what publishing is about. And uh, that was a great learning experience because I didn't make a dime. That, that was a, they were a terrible publisher. Uh, I, I couldn't just sit by a fireplace and smoke a pipe and talk about literature. I actually had to work. So, uh, but it was a good experience. And I, and you know, what I, what's worked for me over the years is just with each subsequent book that I would write, um, I would kind of move more and more up the publishing ladder. I did a, a, early on in my career, a lot of small press, indie press publications, uh, then I got, um, you know, into more of a mainstream mass market publications, hardcover releases, stuff like that. And, and you know, until I was uh, at a place where I was, I felt, you know, I got an agent who who moved me to the next step. You know, so everything kind of came um, piecemeal for me over a length of time. I'm not somebody who just came out of the gate and just signed some big book deal and, and that's that, which is probably best because um, I, I don't do well with the sudden bursts of... Uh, you know, <laughs> it's better that I had to work uh, my, my way up. Um, and it also let me kind of hone my craft a little bit. You know, some of those earlier novels are blessedly out of print, um, you know, but uh, it was it was a good experience. And for me, especially back then when I was younger, I wrote like crazy. I was probably I was my entire career, which is a little over 20 years now as a writer. Uh, I've been doing about a book a year on a, that's my publishing schedule um with some other things kind of stuck in the middle there but early on i was writing maybe three novels a year and then publishing one so i would always have this backlog of other stuff i can go to um you know i was just i was just doing it so frequently and and i just you know i would write 40 pages a night and i could have a book done in a, in a month if i really busted my butt um but uh um you know part of what allowed me to climb that ladder and take some time to do this is the fact that I had so much material that I was working on. If I only had like one or two good books left in me, you know, I would, uh, would have shot my load with those two, those two smaller publishers and you'd never, we wouldn't be talking. But, uh, you know, so fortunately I had a lot of stamina and, and energy when I was in zeal when I was a little wrong. Now, <laughs> now I'm just tired and lazy. <laughs> That's, I, I was going to ask you, that was actually one of the questions, uh, was, do you have an agent? Like, we can talk about like the writing process, but yeah. before we get into that, I'd like to ask you a few more questions. Uh, so, Mr. Cables, uh, you mentioned drinking coffee. So one of my favorite podcast questions to the guests is mm -hmm. how much coffee do you drink in a day and what is your go to coffee? So I, I used to drink a lot. I used to finish a pot of coffee and then make another pot. I used yeah. to, I was big in that. I drink it black. I'm not necessarily too picky with what kind I'm, I'm drinking, but like, I'm not a big Starbucks guy. I'll go and drive to like, actually, I like McDonald's and, and Dunkin' Donuts coffee, uh, you know, and if 
I never buy it, but the coffee I like the best because of the smell of it, it's nostalgic, is the chock full of nuts one because my grandmother used to always yeah. have that. Right? That yellow can. Yeah. Letters, yeah. Well, that's that's and it's it's probably the only one that's still in a metal container. <laughs> that'll that'll survive like doomsday. But yeah, for some reason I don't have that. But I'm not I'm not flavor picky, but like just strong, black, let's get it done, right? That's yeah. and I drink a yeah. lot of it. But that's that's the uh, you know most innocuous thing I'll drink when I'm writing. <laughs> okay, so speaking of which, you mentioned um, Merlot in the um, in the story, Mister Cables, and you also mentioned I, I don't Doers, know what I'm yeah, Doers. That's it, Doers. Yeah, I've never actually had Doers, mm -hmm. um, but I do like whiskey and I do like Scotch, and it's a Scotch whiskey. I had to look it up. Yum. Oh yeah. Oh no. I'm a, I'm a big scotch whiskey bourbon kind of guy. Um, the wine I threw in there just to actually, so I, every character has got their own, right. Their own thing. I, I do like wine, but I'm a whiskey guy, but it, it, the main character of that story seems like he would have sat down and had a glass of wine. So that's why it's in there. But there you um, go. You know, I, uh, I, I do have a lot of people read my stuff and go, do you drink a lot? Because you know an awful lot about, uh, like, I, I could be, there could be a murder scene that's 10 pages long. Seven of those pages is describing the drink. <laughs> that's You'll awesome. See, as you get further into Blackmouth, the main character is a trying to be recovering alcoholic. And that's it's 500 pages of point of view from, from him. And uh, ashamed to say, I think I nailed it. But... <laughs> I got to the part where um, he's giving the backstory about uh, how he just got out of rehab. Yeah. So I'm I'm right there, and then he gets the the bad news, and yeah. so he's kind of giving you the backstory about uh, about that. And so I love that you talk about um, food. So for me, in order for me to feel truly, I don't want to say connected to a character, but characters can be flat if an author doesn't give them human character right i mean going to the bathroom so you actually nailed this so you you refer to food so one of the things i pay attention to and i'm kind of weird like that is um i want to see a character eat i want to read a character eating mm -hmm. drinking and or showering or going to the bathroom now you you <laughs> like you have to give them human qualities in order to feel like it's not just some that you're reading right. and so you mentioned orange chicken and spaghetti, obviously not at the same time, because that would be gross. Um, but it was making me want pasta. So we're actually having pasta for dinner tonight. So thank you. Mm -hmm. um, then you also mention an egg salad on rye. Mm -hmm. And that's interesting because I don't think I've ever actually read an egg salad on rye in right. any other books. that I've. That's yeah, so, interesting. So you're coming at it from a point of view of I'm making them realistic because I'm showing the everyday toils of a human being eating drinking going to the bathroom taking a shower whatever they need to do but also like when you look at what it is that he's having so here's this is a a single middle-aged guy right who is on the road a lot who uh, has somebody who takes care of his house so what does he eat orange chicken which is takeout spaghetti which is easy to make and egg salad on rye because that's probably what was lying around right so it's not only that i'm showing you eating you get I, you know, authors who don't use that as an opportunity to give you insight into a character are, are really missing out. You know, um, yeah. some of my favorite scene, there's again, I think it's in Black Mouth. There's a scene where you've got four of the characters at a diner 
um, and they all order something, you know, completely different. And I don't belabor it, but if you just, if you're reading the book, one character ordered two plates of pancakes, another character doesn't, you know, orders a salad, but doesn't even eat it. Right. Like, so it, it really gives you insight. You, you know, that from life, like, you, you know, you, I'm sure you have friends where you go out and you're, you're like, I know this, this dude's going to order this and, and she's going to order this. And yes. this guy's going to eat my pickle off my plate, you know, cause that's what, you know, and that's, that's, what makes those people real right yeah so that's stuff you got that's you know i look for that I, you know even when i'm writing the uh last question about food and or coffee was um do you debate on whether a character is going to so you were talking about how do you think this guy's going to drink wine so right. this relates to this part this question do you debate on whether a character is going to drink coffee or tea um yeah i mean look all that's game uh Tea is, I don't know if I've, I'm sure I have had somebody drink tea at some point. Um, it's more, more about how, how individual people take their coffee again, which, which adds to that, their character, yes. you know, same way with how they would, if they're, if they're involved in a scene and someone asks if they want to drink, whether or not they'll say yes or no to it, you know, what, or, or if they have one, I, you know, I just finished a new manuscript like yesterday or two days ago. And, uh, I was conscious of the fact that I have a lot of books with, with alcoholics in it up until this point. So I didn't really want to enforce it. But this book also does have one or two people who like to drink heavily. But my main character doesn't, which is unique for me. Um, so I was aware of he, him. And he's and a friend of his owns a bar. So I was aware of having to curtail, you know, what my natural inclination would be in real life uh, to, you know, to to get more of this character who's, who's uh, more of a straight-laced attorney who is not he may have one drink and move on because it's socially acceptable. He's not going to pound three and then forget where his car keys are. Right. He's not that guy. So, and again, you don't belabor this. It's just a, it's a throwaway thing. That's when somebody is reading a book, but it resonates with the character. People subconsciously understand what kind of person that is, um, you know, just based on those little, those little nuances. Absolutely. And, and I love that you understand the importance of that. And again, I think that, and I'm, I don't write, I've never written a novel. Um, I just finished my little, what I call mini memoir. So my storytelling is based off of real life events. Right. So that's, I think it's, I don't want to say that's kind of like cheating or like that's the easy way to write. Um, because writing is, regardless of what type of writing, writing is like, it's it's a part of you. Like we bleed, it's to quote, you know, uh, Hemingway. Like it's right. no big deal. You just bleed on the paper. Um, and that's true. But so this is why I have mad respect for authors who actually do take the time to make the characters eat, mm -hmm. drink. And then, like you said, what they eat and what they drink and, yeah. and how they do these things um, really uh, can, again, me personally, it's how I connect with the character to, to follow them through this path that the author is creating for right. this. No, and, and well, you know, kind of to that point, it's there's so much truth in fiction um that i'm basically telling a made-up story by using settings locations people or or an amalgamation of people that i've known or things that i've seen in my life to create something original but it all comes from the same place it's probably you know in writing your memoir you know you're you're reflecting on people you've known and what their behaviors are so if they're in in those scenes that you're writing you're going to portray them the way they are in real life well it's really no different in fiction. You're just taking those things that you observe and you see and you go, okay, well, you know, I, I, I know that 
my dad smokes these these name you know no names brand cigarettes because he's a cheap bastard so uh, you know so i know like what that looks like and what that means when it when it just says cigarettes on it you know it's he might as well yeah. be drinking booze out of a jug with x's on it like he like that that's kind of you know it, it colors the character but people yes. like that exist you know i'm not yeah. i'm not making up that part of it right i'm not yeah, saying yeah. Here's what it means to eat orange chicken out of a carton. <laughs> People already know this dude's living alone. He's got leftover food in his house, and he yeah. has to cook it spaghetti. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. That's so cool. I, thank you so much for like going into that. And again, this is why the writing the writing process is is so it's so unique and special to every author. And so, so thank you for, for taking us into your head, um, besides, you know, just letting us read your words. Um, and then one final thing I wanted to, uh, mention mm -hmm. was as I was reading Mr. Cables, um, because I, I, it's your job to take me on a ride and my job is to strap in and just hang on. Right. But as a reader, we do like to kind of go, where is he going to take? Where are we gonna be? What's gonna happen? Right. So just the name alone. Yeah. Right. Uh the name alone. So so these are my notes. So the name, Mr. Cables, who is the puppet, who is the puppet master. These you know, I'm like, where hmm, right? And then when he meets Mr. Finter, um, right. it felt very twilight zone. It's kind of as as you were taking me through the story, I was feeling like Mr. Finter. Uh, he reminded me of Burgess Meredith, where he's got the books and he's got the glasses. glasses and, yeah. Uh, yeah, and that so that episode. So I kind of felt like you took me into like that episode. It kind of felt really cool <laughs> to get really gruesome. Uh, every time you talked about the bus, especially because the bus had a, a very, it wasn't a very pristine bus feel. It had a very beaten a beat up bus feel right all i kept and i'm ruined now because of clive barker but every time i think of a bus i think of midnight meat train god damn right. it yeah that's right yeah and so every time you would mention bus i was like <laughs> is it is it is it is it so again i you know i'm strapped in and i'm like oh where is he gonna take me is he gonna is it gonna make it gruesome like where are we going with this <laughs> so it was really cool again this was my introduction to you as a writer right. And so your your prose, your pacing, your storytelling, just it was I think it was like the perfect introduction to, to meet you on, online here mm -hmm. and to meet your words. So so thank you for sharing that story. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And I, look, I appreciate all the nice things that you've said. This has been very nice. <laughs> But it's true. I don't blow sunshine. That's the one thing I pride myself on is I pride myself on being authentic and, and truly connecting. And, and that's why, um, you know, to have, to have this experience with you, to share the band with you, um, uh, sorry, to share your band with others, you know, so they can connect to you so they can get to know you. So, so I just want to say thank you so much for hanging out. Thank you for answering all of my silly questions and, and, and being part of this, this new podcast experience. Like I said, I've got the two different shows yeah. and you qualified for both categories. So I'm super excited That's to share you on both great. places. No, this is great. I, 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 Michelle, I really appreciate you having me on. This is awesome. And I wish you luck with, with both shows. This is great. I'm a, I'm a fan now. I'm going to listen. <laughs> Thank you. So uh, my tagline, usually what I do is I have the guests take us out with the tagline. So the tagline for this show is let's get amped. 
So if you could send us off with a let's get amped. You got it. Let's get amped. Thank you for tuning in to Radio UNK, a special feature of Coffee Fueled Stories. I'm your host, DJ Unicorn, and this week's guest, American novelist Ronald Malfi, shared his writing process in part two of our chat. If you missed part one, it's an excellent, excellent episode. Here's a snippet of Blackmouth to tease you with his words. Thank you for hanging out. Go forth and be magical. Blackmouth by Ronald Malfi. Chapter 1. Detox Boogie. One week after our mother committed suicide, my brother Dennis was taken into police custody while walking along the shoulder of a winding mountain highway wearing nothing but a pair of saggy white briefs and what I can only assume to be an empty expression on his face. He had made it six miles out of town, which meant he'd been walking for hours beneath the blazing summer sun. When the police found him, he was dehydrated. His face was lobster red and glistening, his chest and shoulders blistered with sunburn, and the hairless bulge of his belly, which drooped over the frayed waistband of his underwear, was jeweled with sweat. He must have looked like some ripened tropical fruit, freshly washed. The only exception was his feet, which were bare and powdered in road dust. With each step he took, he stamped asterisks of blood onto the pavement. 